This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now live from Las Vegas, Spencer Linton, and from Studio B, Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, March 4th. Let's go. Great to have you with us. I'm Jerem Jordan, as mentioned. In Studio B, teamed up with the newest resident of Las Vegas, Nevada, Spencer Linton. Jerem, the real estate market is booming in Las Vegas as it is across most of the country. And I've got a head start on buying a second home on a golf course so that Mm. we can hang out whenever. When it gets cold in Utah, come down and play golf. I just need like 30 years to save up. So Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, you must make way more than me at this point. I was hoping we'd make (laughs) about the same. But, uh, yeah, exciting stuff as the West Coast Conference uh, tournament starts today. This is something we've been involved with uh, with BYU TV. This is our 11th year, BYU in the league 10 years. So it's going to be awesome, and it's a little different this year. Uh, studio coverage here, of course, you guys uh, there. But you're not courtside. You're, you're tier two. You've got to be up uh, a little higher. In this case, for the show, you're up uh, at the very top. Yeah, I'm interested to see how all of this is going to play out because as we talked about earlier in the week, the vibe of the tournament is fun with bands and cheerleaders and dance teams Willie and fans. The and yes, what's the West Coast Conference tournament if Willie the Wave isn't here? Good grief, let alone our guy Cosmo, but it's, it's just going to be different. Uh, I'll be interested to see what the, the sounds are like from the benches, how things carry. It, it, it'll probably feel a little bit like what you dealt with in Connecticut very early in the season when you were covering BYU men's basketball. Yeah, completely removed, unable to interact with the players in person, even though they were literally you know, uh, a couple floors below me or above me in the hotel, which is interesting. But it is what it is. It's 2021, right? We'll get after Okay, here's your show lineup. Chris Sims loves him some Zach Wilson. In fact, he has him as the top overall quarterback, and he says there's space between him and Trevor Lawrence. We'll, we'll break it down. Dax Milne meets with uh, NFL teams. We'll tell you which ones. One in particular I really like. And the commission of the West Coast Conference joins the program to discuss if Gonzaga was ever really not going to show up in Las Vegas. Here are today's headlines. Jeremy, as you mentioned, Chris Sims, former NFL quarterback and football analyst for NBC Sports, is officially smitten with Zach Wilson's <laughs> quarterbacking capabilities. Sims doubled down yesterday, saying he would take Zach Wilson as the number one quarterback in this year's NFL draft over heralded Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Of course, Zach has those NFL legs and arm, let's not forget. Sims also referenced yesterday else. on his Unbuttoned podcast... <laughs> Which current NFL greats Zach Wilson currently reminds him of? I'm blown away by Zach Wilson. I feel like I'm back watching almost a Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. again. That's how I feel when I'm watching him. Yeah. It's Aaron Rodgers-ish. Whoa. That is quite the compliment. Wilson's favorite target last season, Dax Milne, is ramping up his stock on the interview circuit reportedly meeting with nine different NFL teams. At Justin M underscore NFL of the Draft Network reporting on Twitter that Dax will meet virtually with the Patriots, Bills, Washington football team, 49ers, Broncos, Colts, Chargers, Jaguars, and your Seahawks, Jerem. That's exactly right. I would love Dax to Seattle. That'd be awesome. Number 21 women's soccer beats Missouri in Columbia. 3-0 thanks to a pair of goals from first-team All-American Michaela Coulihan. The game winner, though, from Bella Felino. Uh, team high five on the season now. Next up at LMU on Saturday. 
Number two ranked BYU men's volleyball visits Concordia Irvine tonight. This marks the first of three meetings between the teams this season and this month for that matter. Good luck to the Cougars tonight as they try and build the road back to getting to that number one spot. Yeah, just be number one in May. I don't really care about the regular season anymore. <laughs> Sean Patchell's the head coach of Concordia Irvine. Played at BYU, was a coach at BYU, so fun matchup there. Track and field, the USTFCCCA named senior Courtney Wayman to the Bowerman watch list is one of the most outstanding men or women's collegiate athletes in track and field. Also, the Cougars have 11 entries into the NCAA Indoor Track and Field Championships. Eight women, three men. It's game day for BYU baseball and BYU softball. We'll start with the Batcats. They face traditional power and number 21-ranked Oregon State tonight in Corvallis, the first of a three-game series. The Beavers own an overall advantage of 15 wins and seven losses in that 22 games played thus far. The ladies of BYU softball travel to California for the DiMarini Invitational where the Cougars will face Cal Berkeley this afternoon and play Stanford later this evening. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. It's nice to be loved. That's what Zach Wilson is getting right now, not just from Cougar Nation, of course, but uh, from some notable NFL analysts. As mentioned, former Texas and NFL quarterback Chris Sims. He likes Zach Wilson. I'd, I'd say it's borderline love. No, it's actually love. <laughs> He's got the best, the best arm in the draft. You know, and from that aspect, I mean, hey, could Justin Fields, if they stand there, or Trevor Lawrence, and you just said, throw it as hard as you can right there at the wall, could maybe they throw it a few miles per hour harder? I don't know, maybe. But the difference is Zach Wilson, you know, can throw 100 on the radar every, every throw and ev- from every angle yeah. and, and in every window and two feet are off the ground and he still can throw it as hard as he wants and has unbelievable control as if the ball, if the, the receiver was four feet from him. So, you know, his arm is special and his accuracy is special. Special indeed. Chris Sims weighing in. Spencer, does Chris Sims love Zach Wilson more than we do? I can't believe we actually have to consider that he might. On the bromance man crush level, he's probably like a nine and a half out of ten. We've got the blue goggles on. So, I mean, we, we've had this football relationship going with Zach Wilson for a while now. So, I, I don't think Chris Sims is there, but he's starting to be in that conversation of, like, number one fan of Zach Wilson next to Lisa Wilson, his mom. It's, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Like I said, he's full-on smitten with the quarterbacking capabilities of Zach Wilson right now. And I, I, when I first saw the tweet that Chris Sims sent out yesterday that said, hey, I, here's my list of quarterback rankings, Zach Wilson number one, Trevor Lawrence number two, Mac Jones – uh, and then he had Justin Fields number five. I was like, whoa, what's the deal here? He's going to have a long day on yeah, social Kellen media. Yeah, Kellen Mond is a shocker at four. Wild, right? So he, I'm, he's, I'm sure he was dealing with angry fans all day long, and that will continue for uh, weeks to come as he, like, doubles down on Zach Wilson being the guy. But you listen to his breakdown, and you can understand why he loves Zach Wilson so much as the number one pick. If, if he's saying that he is Aaron Rodgers-ish and Patrick Mahomes-ish, I'm not hearing him say that about anybody else in the draft. So, uh, And this goes back to what Steve Young told us. Zach's very in the moment. He has this ability to not 
uh, lose himself in, in whatever he's trying to do. And he makes those awkward throws and, and makes really difficult things look pretty easy. Fits the, ba- the football into very tight windows on a regular basis consistently. So I, I understand why Chris Sims is, is saying what he's saying, and I really appreciated that breakdown. I don't know if it's enough to push Zach Wilson to number one over Trevor Lawrence. I still think there's so much undue pressure on the on the Jaguars and Urban Meyer to take Trevor Lawrence because if they don't and he's awesome, they'll never hear the end of it. it it'll be this crazy scenario. But, um, man, you talk about the pendulum, Jerem. The, the pendulum seems to be staying here. It's been here for a few weeks. Like, when, when is it going to move back to Zach being, like, number two or four or five or even eight or ten in the draft. Yeah, we're like seven weeks out, so this is probably predictable, right? Like, what's a new storyline? What's a new narrative? And Chris isn't doing this to make news. He really feels that. And that's totally fine, but he is a notable voice in the game, so this is interesting that there are now, what, three or four notable voices saying, hey, I'd actually have him. And when you talk about arm angles and throwing motion and these things in the real evaluation of a quarterback – Yes, I I said this before. Zach Wilson does some things better than Trevor Lawrence. Does he do everything? Is he a better overall quarterback? In the opinion of Chris Sims, yes. But when you look at the games that Trevor Lawrence has played in and the way he's played, he's clearly the number one pick to me. That doesn't mean we don't love Zach Wilson. I think Zach is the next best spot there. A lot of that has to do with just the opportunity that Trevor Lawrence has been given versus an opportunity for Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson is healthy and able... Uh, he probably performs pretty well in a Power 5 conference, I think. So different, different opportunities given there. Like Mac Jones, we all, we all think Mac Jones is good, but it's like hard to know because he's got this amazing offensive line. He's got like three NFL receivers. He's got an, <laughs> a, you know, a first-round running back. It's hard to know in that situation how to compare. So let's put up a blind resume. I think we have a good idea of where Zach is because we know his numbers. But let's see these others and try and guess at what other quarterbacks they are. And namely, which quarterback you would take in this one. So, um, yeah, so, so let's, let's check this out. So Zach okay. Wilson, um, it's, it's, it's one versus two. So we know that Zach is the one on the left because we know that he had 33 touchdown passes and three picks. But you look at the other Correct. guy. Like, would you take this other guy over him based on these stats? Um, you know, just better stats from Zach. Except for the touchdown number, but fewer, uh, you know, of, of interception. The efficiency is way higher. QB one is Zach. Now, who is QB two? I don't exactly know who QB two is. That could be Fields. Oh, it's Trevor Lawrence. Okay, there you go. It's Trevor Lawrence. All right. So that was the 2019 season from Trevor. That wasn't 2020, where he got to play, uh, you know, a couple more games with the uh, playoff there and whatnot. So yeah, that was that was 19 from Trevor. Okay, interesting. A lot of this has to do, Spencer, too, to me, is Zach is going to be rewarded for what he did well this year. Absolutely. But there should be a conversation about strength of schedule. Like, there wasn't sure. the same kind of pressure on Zach, I'm talking in the pocket, that Trevor Lawrence had to face when he plays a certain competition that BYU did not. But the way that Zach performed was, like, the highest PFF grade ever for a quarterback and he deserves to be way near the top does he deserve to be number one in chris sims eyes yes if i'm the jaguars though i am taking trevor lawrence one but if i'm the jets i'm taking zach wilson too now the wild card here is always going to be well look at what zach wilson did against power five competition we have the luxury of knowing that zach was not healthy 
in 2019. Yeah. His shoulder was 70 to yeah, 70 to 75 percent. Uh, and even in Zach's words, he's told us we're talking to him once a week on his path to the draft on BYU Sports Nation, saying not only was I not healthy, but my mind wasn't right because I was so focused on expediting my recovery that I didn't get to spend as much time as I wanted to just with the game and the nuances and things like that. I had to spend more time in the training room. And uh, We both said over the summer, let him get healthy, and then let's see what Zach Wilson can really do when he doesn't have a broken thumb and a recently reconstructed surgery uh, of his shoulders. So we kind of felt like this was coming. Nobody thought that he was going to be this good. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not even sure that Zach Wilson and his family thought he was going to be this <laughs> how, good. They, like, how uh, could they, right? I mean, this what we saw was unbelievable. I mean, it's not the greatest yeah. BYU football season. That would be tied up for 1990, but it's in the conversation in terms of efficiency and what he did. And it's more than the numbers. Like, the numbers are nice. It's a good object, you know, lesson. But Chris Sims worked done really well. Like, the off-platform, the, the arm angles, the getting it in the receiver's pocket. Like, it was unbelievable what we saw this year. Yes. Yeah. And the whole Power 5 conversation, I mean, can we just step back for a moment and and agree that UCF and Houston and Boise State are Power 5-like teams? Like, the talent that those squads have are like middle to low-tier Power 5 programs. And I don't don't argue with those. It's like the rest of the schedule. Because... Because sure, yeah. What, what these guys have to go through each week is different than what BYU did this year. It's a shame that we didn't get the six power fives for Zach yes, Wilson to show that. Yes. But Zach is not in the convo to me for the second pick if BYU plays that schedule because the numbers wouldn't be as high. They wouldn't pop as well. He would still be a first-round conversation guy, but I think it would have changed the narrative. This was the best-case scenario for Zach because the idea of what he could do is greater than actually seeing it a lot of times. Like, look at the NBA draft. A lot of those guys are taking on, well, he was 13-8, and eight, but he was a freshman at Florida State, and he's 6'10 with a wingspan. Like, that's the NBA draft. That's happening with Zach Wilson here, which is awesome. And it's interesting that Chris Sims said, there's a space or a gap between Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. What? Listen to this. And I'm excited. I'm excited about this class. This class jumped out to me more than I expected it to in general. Of course, Zach Wilson is the, 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 you know, the big banner to me to just go, hey, there's Zach Wilson, and there's a little bit of a gap for me between him and Trevor Lawrence right now and everything like that because I think he is just a full-blown superstar and can take over a game by himself. We need to send Chris wow. blue goggles, bro, because that is, that is quite the take. Woo! I, and listen, that is spicy. I, I'm excited about it, but what I don't want to do is create this superstar pressure on Zach, and then if he's just, like, good but not great, now he's disappointing. Like, I don't, I don't want that with Zach. The entourage for Zach Wilson to go number one is slowly growing. Now we've got Chris Sims on the, on the mix, and we've got Mark Schlereth and Joe Theismann and different NFL scouts, uh, it's, it's pretty wild that this is, even, this is even a thing right now, Jerem. All it takes is the Jaguars GM Trent Baalke to be in that corner for Zach to go. Yes. That's all it takes. Is he convinced? Yeah. Our is question, he convinced? Our question of the day, would you be surprised if Zach Wilson's the number one pick in the NFL draft? I can't believe we're talking about this. This is incredible. Let's hear from you and Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation.
Ben Peterson on Twitter. You can weigh in on Facebook and Instagram as well. Yes! Start of the year, no one is even talking about him going as a first-rounder. be pretty amazing to see him go first overall, especially since it has been Trevor Lawrence in that position all year. I would argue it hasn't been all year for Trevor. It's actually been three years that we've been talking about this. Yeah. As soon as he won the national championship, boom. We've been talking about Trevor Lawrence's number one overall pick in 2021. He has been successful at the highest level of college football consistently, which is why I think still the majority, as they should be, are leaning towards Trevor Lawrence. He's, he's deserved and earned that spot. Absolutely. All right, Jerem, coming up. Things have changed a little bit over almost eight years of BYU Sports Nation. Maybe you noticed, my friend. We're a little older, hopefully a little wiser. Uh, a little more healthy. <laughs> we'll take a look at that. Or less healthy. Who knows? And after the break, the commissioner <laughs> of the Best Coast, Gloria Navarez, on how the league's pulling this off this year. This tourney. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The first game of our extensive West Coast Conference tournament coverage begins today at 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific, when the women's bracket tips off with a longtime rivalry. LMU facing Pepperdine. Watch today's game and all of our coverage of the WCC tournament on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday. It's going to be awesome. Spencer Linton in Vegas to call a bunch of games with Chris Kozlowski, Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, a bunch of our crew. Got the crew back here as well, holding it down for BYU Sports Nation and the uh, halftimes and bridge shows. And uh, it's going to be an exciting tournament. Let's now bring in our first guest of the day, the West Coast Conference Commissioner Gloria Navarez, who is in the Orleans as well, but she's Tier 1 and downstairs. What's up, Gloria? <laughs> Good to see you, even though you're in the same building and we're not in the same room. Yeah, it's, it's a unique setup, certainly. Uh, but... We were just talking during the break. I can't believe it's been a year. Obviously, that like the longest, craziest year of everyone's life. It's been insane. But yet, here we are, Gloria, at the West Coast Conference Tournament. There was a, there was a while there where it was like, is this going to happen at all? Mark Few's talking about maybe doing a four-team thing in Spokane. So how did it end up actually happening as scheduled in the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas? Every day since we were here in March last year, it has been you know, contingency planning, evaluation, modeling, there isn't a scenario or a scheduling format we didn't look at. And, you know, just the nature of this pandemic and the virus has been day by day. So, you know, our group has really been, you know, every single plan we've had has been looked at 20 different ways. But as we came down the home stretch without about about a month left in the season, you know, we were looking at everything from bubbles to pods to, you know, whatever you think of it we thought of it modeled it but um you know our teams were really feeling good about how they were traveling and getting their regular season games in and we ended up with a um 76 percent completion rate on the men's regular schedule and a 95 percent on the women's so you know folks were feeling optimistic coming into las vegas a monumental effort by you and everyone on that west coast conference staff out of curiosity what was the biggest trial or difficulty that you faced in in getting this tournament to remain on schedule and and start here on march 4th i think and you know this isn't unique to us the the different jurisdictions 
that governed each of our institutions with regard to the virus was really a challenge. And then add in that California, for all the right reasons, had really, really strict standards compared to some other states. Just, you know, when you start competing against each other and traveling and you have differing, you know, regulations, that became really, really um, just a challenge to manage. But, uh, you know, all credit to our athletic directors and our presidents, the collaboration, the communication, and, and just the all-in effort that they went after this really made uh, it possible for us to be here today. Mark Few certainly swings the big stick nationally in the league, of course. He was talking about, hey, maybe we'll have a four-team in Spokane. we got to figure out what's best for the league and whatnot. It ends up being in Vegas. Was there an opportunity that potentially part, maybe the semifinals or something, could have been in Spokane at one point? Everything was on the table. And, you know, we looked at every possible model, pros and cons, you know, and one of the unique things about this entire season is every decision, there was never an ideal answer, not one silver bullet that provided, you know, every single answer to every single challenge. So ultimately, you know, we looked at everything, but Las Vegas for, you know, two tournaments, men's and women's 10 teams each just provided us operationally safety um, single jurisdiction, that type of thing, really the most positive answers. And so we feel really good about being here in Vegas. Let's stay on the Gonzaga topic because also in the conversation at one point was, well, maybe there's so much potentially for the Zags to lose as the overwhelming number one team in America in men's college basketball that they don't want to risk contracting some type of COVID and not being able to play in the NCAA tournament. So at what point in your conversations with them did you all feel like it's it's going to be okay and and now they're here? And we've had that conversation, again, not just about the tournament, about every week of season. And, you know, you can extend that same concern to BYU, you know, women's teams. Um, you know, no matter where you are, it really is about safety. And the closer you get to the end of the season, you know, the, the more you can taste that postseason um reward and so the it it amps up the pressure for sure but i would say that our reasoning our rationale our uh the way we looked at the issue was always about the health and safety first and foremost and being able to um, limit the exposure of our student athletes and you know do everything possible to prevent transmission of the virus And, and like i said you know like other leagues we've had pauses we've had you know, cases here and there. We've also had false positives, but by and large, our athletic directors and presidents felt good about our ability to compete safely. Gonzaga is clearly the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. BYU being talked about as a six, seven, or eight right now, depending on who you ask. What are your conversations like with the basketball selection committee as you lobby for the best seed possible? Everything you guys are saying and everything, you know, we've got our talking points. We talk to them quite regularly. Um, we've got a team of people, you know, texting them updates with what's going on with our teams, telling them, you know, when to tune in and what's going on behind the scenes. Um, our schools have been really good about providing us, you know, all the up-to-date information. So, yeah, if, if there's something to be said, we're saying it multiple times. West Coast Conference Commissioner Gloria Navarez with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, was there something in your contract uh, in a clause that said that, you know, you'd get an extra reward if you guided a conference through a pandemic? Because <laughs> this has been an unbelievable effort. Right? <laughs> 
I know. I mean, you know, you take the job, but nobody tells you it's going to be a global pandemic. But um, I wouldn't want to be with any other group of people in the trenches during something like this. The, the way our decision making has been guided at the president's level, at the AD level, at the coaches level, by our mission and core values and putting our student athletes first, there's never a question. If we needed to cancel, we would have canceled. And we only moved forward when we felt comfortable that we could do it in a safe manner for all participants. So it's really been a, a good experience, uh, frustrating, fatiguing, challenging. But I, I just I couldn't be more um, just impressed at how our group has come together and really tackled this. Gloria, it made sense that you had to do something unique with the standings, right? So it was the Ken Palm adjusted winning percentage. What was unique, I guess, and it was it was fun listening to some of the coaches, was we don't know what goes into it and, and what it means and what we need to do and the timing of it. Uh, what went into the release of that and figuring that out? Because, again, I agree that you had to do something different. Not everyone's playing the same teams, different numbers with the conference uh, you know, schedule and whatnot, but you guys tried to come up with a solution that you thought was fair. And, and ultimately, I think when it shook out, everyone was like, yeah, this was good. Yeah. But you, you couldn't know that ahead of time. And whenever you roll something out like that where you can't really piece it apart and figure out how the underworkings are moving, you know, it's the same thing with the NCAA net. It's driven by an algorithm. But, you know, our athletic directors came up with the idea to consult with Ken Palm. He's been amazing um, and really crafted this waiting to fit the our league because in a normal year win percentage is the answer and everyone plays everyone per our schedule and then it nets out right there mathematically but if you were nerding out and really watching our standings it really the win percentage would have been um really unfair because of the uneven number of times people played each other and some teams only played the top half of the conference some the bottom and how do you weigh those to establish our conference ranking, which is intended to be a snapshot of your body of work in our league. And so we talked about using the net, but that brings in all the non-conference and there's an inherent unfairness or disadvantage in just being able to schedule non-conference. And so should that feed into conference play? So Ken Palm really gave us kind of that, you know, how do you stack our teams on the body of work within WCC league play? And yeah, I, I, I too feel it. I, I felt it was the right decision, but also at the end of the day, it passed the eye test when you saw the standings and you looked at strength of schedule. It goes without saying that we're so excited that this tournament is happening and 19 of the 20 West Coast Conference teams are here and we wish the best for San Diego women's basketball, obviously. But I'd be lying if I said I, I, I'm going to not miss the bands and the atmosphere and the fans and just the, the overall excitement in the arena. And obviously that helps financially too when you can sell tickets and, and bring down a large contingent of Gonzaga fans from Spokane every year. So how do you plan to work your way through this situation financially with not being able to sell tickets and whatnot? So, yeah, last year this time we were so happy just to get the tournament in thinking, oh, I can't wait till next year. Everything will be back to normal. <laughs> so to be full 12 months and still kind of dealing with this was, is surreal um but we you know we know we knew about six months ago that this was going to be the case for the tournament we've been modeling ever since um it certainly is different what i personally love about college athletics is the pageantry and the student involvement and the passion and 
while we don't have that here today, you know, the fact that we can still have the event, crown a champion and provide this experience for the student athletes, um, you know, that's something that maybe six months ago, I wasn't even sure we'd be able to do. So that, that for us is a win and certainly we'll recover financially if, you know, the NCAA turn, tournament goes off as planned, which it seems like it should, and they have event insurance. So um, it'll take us a while, but we're going to come back strong. On the women's side, uh, Gonzaga certainly is going to make the NCAA tournament, probably around, what, a four or five seed potentially. BYU mm-hmm. is on the bubble. BYU is either barely in or barely out, depending on who you ask. Um, the best case scenario for the league is that BYU wins the championship, but it, they have to probably get at least a Tuesday to have a shot. So what are the conversations like around BYU women's hoops, who looks like the only other at-large op, uh, team that could get in? Well, you know, whenever anyone asks, the, the reason conferences have tournaments is for the purpose of, you know, bolstering, bolstering resumes and getting multiple teams in the tournament. So it's, it's why we have this event. Um, you'll see in some other sports where we've historically sent four or five teams to the NCAA tournament, uh, men's and women's soccer, volleyball. We don't have league championships because we historically get four to five teams in the tournament and you just be beating up on each other. So... Um, in addition to being, you know, our, the crown jewel of our kind of championship offerings, um, you know, it's an, uh, it's an opportunity to continue to build your resume. This has been an unbelievably busy and entertaining last few weeks for us at BYU TV. I know that Jerem and I in one week, Jerem called uh, two men's volleyball games. I called two women's volleyball games, a soccer match, gymnastics, women's basketball. We've got men's basketball going on. It is wild. Uh, I, can, I can only imagine what it must be like for you and the rest of the uh, staff at the West Coast Conference trying to manage all this. How would you explain life right now with what feels like 20 different sports going on at the same time? It is absolutely surreal, and I can't. My heart goes out to the folks on campus, the facilities operators, the athletic trainers <laughs> that have to be at every single one of these events, hours before and hours afterwards. Um, but yeah, you know, I think we're all just really excited to finally be playing, um, and you know, having all of our sports on top of each other. Someone shared with me an interesting stat the other day that um, of all the teams out there. As a league, the WCC has about five teams right now that are ranked in the top five in the nation, largely because we're playing all of our fall sports on top of spring. But that's some pretty, you know, uh, rare air this time of year. It's certainly a special, and uh, we're happy that BYU is part of those top fives in a couple of sports, which is great. Gloria, uh, mm-hmm. it's been a year since I know you're, you guys have hung out as an office. You're finally seeing each other. <laughs> for the first time and now we have this tournament so hopefully everyone's healthy and good and everything goes well and we appreciate the time Gloria. appreciate you you guys and the coverage and thanks for being here and high five from afar <laughs> absolutely thanks Gloria. it's Gloria navarez west coast conference commissioner and yeah BYU tv's involvement obviously we're excited to be here but yeah there were some hard decisions to be made there with the league and uh who knows what if it was even going to happen if gonzaga was going to show up but here we are 19 of the 20 are here which is great yeah, we, we legitimately are excited that this is happening. We get to watch uh, not just BYU's teams, but all of the teams. And that was Gloria Navarez on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Coming up, Jerem, our latest deep blue with Wyatt Lowell of BYU Basketball, how he's dealing with an unfortunate season-ending injury, but using it to shape not just his playing career, but his life. 
And will there be a full of L. Edwards Stadium this fall? We'll discuss. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Tomorrow on BYU TV, two more West Coast Conference women's tournament games tip off our all-day coverage as we move through the bracket. Coverage starts at 2 Eastern on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. Of course, that's in addition to what's happening today. We'll be uh, on Saturday and Monday as well through the tournament. It's going to be awesome. He is Spencer. I'm Jerem. This is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. Cook Whip Ramp presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problem. Jerem, which one of the NFL teams that Dax Milne is reportedly talking with would be the best fit for Dax? The There's Patriots, only one. Bills? No. Nope. Washington football team, no. 49ers, Broncos, Colts, Chargers, Jaguars, or your Seahawks. Yeah, Seahawks. Yes, yes. Russell Wilson to Dax Milne, I love it. <laughs> Obviously, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf form arguably the best tandem in the NFL wide receiver, but Dax Milne would be awesome, and he'll be there from the fourth round on, so uh, let's go. Yeah, but what if Russell Wilson isn't the quarterback in Seattle? Maybe that's not maybe the best Zach fit Wilson for Dax Milne. Is, because maybe the Jets will trade <laughs> for him and they'll get the second pick. And then I can watch Zach Wilson play every game. That'll be great. I like the idea of Dax with the Patriots. It just feels right, him being a Belichick guy. They they always have, like, the white slot receiver that has a good story, right? Okay, uh, BYU yeah. Hoops resume update. BYU down one in net at 20. Ken Palm 23, that stays the same. Up one in BPI to 28. KPI minus one at eight. How's BYU eight in KPI? BYU is not the eighth best team in the country. Come on. Uh, strength of record, 19. Sagarin, 23. I think BYU is, yeah, in, in the 20s somewhere, right? Uh, ESPN's Joe Lenardi has BYU as a 7th seed. Jerry Palm, CBS Sports, 7th seed. USA Today, 7th seed. So I ask you this, as Bracken Matrix has 6.82, is the 7th seed the perfect spot for BYU in the NCAA tournament? Not quite. Pretty close. I think the perfect spot for BYU would be the six seed. If you're a six or an 11 and can play a three and then a two, then you have the quote-unquote easiest path to get to the Elite Eight and a Final Four, which, uh, as we know, would be the first for BYU in a long time coming. I like the six seed line a lot for BYU if they can do enough. They can dominate in their semifinal game on Monday and then look really good against Gonzaga. Just maybe... BYU does enough to climb up to that 6 seed, but seven's not bad. And frankly speaking, as long as BYU's not facing a Baylor or Gonzaga in the second round and are in that 8-9 game, BYU's faced the best team in America probably three times. They have nothing to fear with anybody else that they'd be matched up, even if it is a 2 seed. Just fear itself, right? I like the 6 seed. I think that'd be the best opportunity there. Avoid the 8-9, absolutely. If BYU's projected as 6, Maybe they're a seven, but yeah, just avoid eight nine. I, I don't, barring a collapse, I don't see BYU being lower than an eight at this point. Jerem, fantastic news! BYU football announcing that they are anticipating welcoming back fans to Lavelle Edwards yeah. Stadium this fall. In fact, tickets for the 2021 season go on sale in May. Will 2021 and the BYU football season see a packed Lavelle Edwards Stadium again? Spencer Cox, the governor of Utah, said that based on the numbers and wanting to get vaccines out there, something like 70% to Utahns by May, July 4th, he wants barbecues, no masks off and no social distancing. That would be awesome. That would mean that if we could do that by July 4th, obviously in September, we could have that situation. To me, it all depends on the amount of vaccinations. And and it's not just Utahns that show up to the UA game. They're 
people from outside the state, but I don't know about packed, but I'm hoping that it's like a third at least. Well, consider this, uh, and I'm not going to throw his name out there, but I have a friend that works for a certain NBA organization within the state of Utah that told me that if... How many organizations in the state of Utah are there in the NBA? That's interesting. Exactly. If this immunization record continues and the numbers continue to dip in Utah, that by the time this certain NBA team in Utah is in the playoffs, they're anticipating more than 60% capacity indoors, Jerem. Well, then. That's, and that's a totally different ballgame. So wow. if they get there, then you could see no problem. You would think two-thirds full of Edwards Stadium by the time we get to the fall. Well, Texas just, <laughs> just tried to alleviate all the, uh, you know, the damage of the, uh, the power going out <laughs> by saying, yeah, no mask, we cool, like we good. Baseball begins a three-game series at number 21, Oregon State, today. How many of those uh, does BYU need to win? Man, it feels like after BYU struggled against Texas, uh, dropping three or four, that they could certainly use a series win. In terms of needing to rank team, they, they need one. It would be amazing if they could take two or three. One would be enough. Listen to that game on BYU Radio 107 FM, uh, 107.9 FM, and BYU Cougs out, by the way. Jeremy, a few things have changed in almost eight years no. of doing BYU Sports Nation. Notably, uh, when we look at our version of how it started and how it's going, oh gosh, look you at can us. see that seven years ago we we look a little baby faced. Um, I'm no, about six no, percent body fat. <laughs> you don't have your not top in the good up. way. <laughs> yeah, we're in the radio I, studio. An unhealthy. Yeah. An unhealthy 6% body fat? Oh, boy. It just, it's pretty wild. And, and then you fast forward to what we are now. You know, a little healthier, a little heavier. Yeah. Uh, we got kids, wrinkles under the eyes. You know, life. Debt? Stress? No, just kidding. <laughs> no, we, we started humbly, and we, we still maintain our BYU Radio roots. You know, we, we love BYU Radio. And uh, being in a TV studio is cool as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we both got a little fatter. That's great. Man, oh man. Episode 1,964 today, by the way. Oh, we're coming up on 2K. Nice. Yeah. We'll have a Y2K event. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie Steiner's running through the bat. Follow me to freedom! (laughs) Follow me! Follow me to freedom! (laughs) Yes, I love that commercial so much. (laughs) Hey, coming up on episode 1,964, who gets the rising shout-out? And men's basketball player Wyatt Lowell is watching on the sidelines this year due to one, not not one, but two injuries. His story in the season finale of Deep Blue is coming up after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation from Provo in Vegas. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. March is upon us, and you can relive the deepest run for BYU basketball into the NCAA tournament with our fabulous BYU Sports Nation special, The Reviewables 1981 BYU Men's Basketball, tomorrow following BYU Sports Nation at 1 Eastern. That was an incredibly talented and special team led by Danny Ainge. And BYU was a six seed. BYU's the uh, that year. Mm. First seven seed right now, according to Joe Lenardi. How about that? Okay, coming now, into Jerem, the season. think about What's this. Up? 1981, special season. 1991, 
Special season for BYU basketball. 2001, last time they won a conference tournament. 2011, Jimmer Fredette's senior season. Mm -hmm. Ten years later, 2021, baby. Is, does the trend continue? In the show, I talk about a 15-year span where there's something incredible. And the incredible one was, what, 96, where it was 1 in 25? So, uh, yeah, perhaps <laughs> the every 10 years is a thing as well. I like that. Okay, coming okay. into the season, Wylow had high expectations, but after an injury cut his season short, he's working on coming back again. This is Deep Blue, the season two finale, presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. Right now, I guess especially recently with the injury and the things kind of going on, I've asked a lot of why is this happening or what's really going on, and it's put me in some dark places and has made me question things. But if there's one thing that I've learned through this, this recent process and this recent trial, it's that I can do hard things and that I look forward to doing hard things. It makes me better, and it also makes those that are around me better. Hard is good, and so I think with the upcoming season and just the rest of my career, if, if things get hard, it's my time to push through and shine and try to be my best. So Wyatt had an uh, incredibly unfortunate setback, tore his shoulder this summer, and so he had surgery right away, and his, he, we're like on this time crunch where there's a chance we get him back before the first game of the season. Like, it's going to be really close. And our special, and this one in front of us, is special. Now, Wyatt Lowell, who's just getting healthy from a shoulder surgery he had in the summertime, he went down and is in a lot of pain. He's a player that they think can really mature into being a, a significant part. Whack freshman of the year when he's at Utah Valley. And don't like the way he grabbed the back of that ankle. Almost it was like a non-contact injury. I remember the first injury when he hurt his shoulder. And he called and said, my shoulder hurts. It doesn't feel right. And you obviously think, oh, okay. And then they said, it's torn. And I remember thinking uh, you'll be all right it won't be that bad and, and coach pope called and he was like no this is a setback and i didn't understand what it was to watch how hard he worked during his redshirt year which was impressive he got big and strong and he worked so hard and then to see all of a sudden the shoulder and then it just kind of slowed everything down and then you feel like you're not part of the team because you can't be with them as much and we were sitting here and watching the Gonzaga game, and he fell. I thought, oh no. When you get injured, it's, it, you feel like, you, you, you feel stuck because you can't get better on the court, and you can't shoot, and you can't do all these things that you, what basically is your identity as a basketball player. The thoughts and the emotions that you can have just sitting on your couch watching your team play or I put in all this work for two years now and I still haven't really played it feels like and so it's just like it's hard there's a lot going on and it, beneath the surface that I don't think a lot of people can sympathize with unless they've really done it man you can't make this stuff up two injuries this quickly the world's crashing with COVID you just sat there and you felt so bad for him because you know there are worse things that could happen in life but at the same time to have it have it happen so closely 
But I know he'll he'll get through it. He has to. He will. He wants to. And I'm so excited to watch him do it in whatever capacity that turns out to be. <laughs> be proud of him. My mom and my dad are hands down <clears throat> the most amazing people in the world. Uh-huh. <clears throat> They've just done so much for me and I'll forever be grateful for them. <clears throat> and I can go on with the rest of my family, my grandparents, my siblings. I just, I feel like I've been blessed with the best family in the world. And so I can just never say enough good things about them. Some say it's a little uh, for g I, I think it's French. <laughs> Recently, I got engaged to the most amazing person in the world. He's very good at keeping me focused on what's important in the long run. He's a very eternal perspective, which I think has helped a lot with both his shoulder and his foot. It's hard and not these things aren't easy, but he's very positive. But I do love competing with him too. I love I love beating Wyatt, so <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> my goals are just with basketball and my physical body just to get a little better every day, get pumped for our wedding and like that's going to be the biggest moment of our lives combined and after that who knows but I do know like just every day our goal is just to get a little better every day and love each other and take care of each other while we're doing it. Deep Blue featuring Wyatt Lowell. He only played in seven games, Spence, uh, you know, tore his labrum during the summer, never got fully recovered, and then had the Achilles. And so, yeah, he, he's going through a really hard thing, but we expect him to be in the mix next year. Love his attitude. Uh, I got a message from him uh, a couple of months back right after his injury happened and just was really, really impressed with how he opts to to choose the, to, to work through this path. So really impressive kid. And uh, hopefully we get him back as 6'10", can shoot the three. Are you kidding me? We can use that. Absolutely. And uh, good luck in his recovering. That's the uh, season two finale of Deep Blue. So season three coming up uh, in September. And coming up next, more from you fabulous members of BYU Sports Nation. In Voice of the Nation, would you be surprised if Zach Wilson goes number one overall in the NFL draft? And today's rise and shout-outs, this is BYU Sports Nation, live from Provo and Vegas. Deep Blue on BYU Sports Nation is presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. BYU Sports Nation's rise and shout-out is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation is always on demand. You can download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio app. Or download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. The question of the day, would you be surprised if Zach Wilson is taken with the number one pick in the NFL draft? Mike Derricott on Twitter. Yes, but I'd welcome the notoriety it would bring to BYU football's program. Could be negative in that it may uh, you know, create undue pressure on Zach. I would rather have him go two. Let the football gods decide. Um, being number one, there's some pressure, right? Utah had the number one pick in basketball and uh, football, Andrew Bogut and Alex Smith back in 2005. So BYU won't have that. But 
having the number one, or honestly, the number two pick mm. is amazing. To me, there's not a, a massive difference between those, but number one is special. Yeah, it feels at worst that Zach Wilson is going to end up being the highest draft pick in BYU football history, even if he goes at number two, three, or four. We've had five, uh, Ziggy Ansa, Jim McMahon, but Zach Wilson's most likely going to be the highest draft pick ever. Which is pretty gnarly. BYU was ready in a pandemic to have a great season, not just play, but have a great season, and Zach Wilson was at the heart of that, which is pretty gnarly. And honestly, this will be Kalani Satake's greatest accomplishment so far as the head coach is where Zach Wilson goes. That's wild to think about, isn't it? Uh, just, just, I can't believe where BYU was at this point last year and what we're talking about this year. <laughs> Incredible. We're like, Zach, we were saying Zach Wilson's the guy. There's not a, there'll be a competition, but Zach Wilson's the guy. Not so much this year with the quarterback competition. Another practice for BYU football coming up tonight. Media availability. We'll have highlights on social media coming up later. In response to our question of the day, here's our Elite Voice of the Day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Get out on the slopes while the snow's still there. Ben Nichols on Twitter. In the words of Larry Kriskoviak, Why heck no. There's a reason Zach Wilson changed his number from <laughs> 11 to 1. He has no fear, shoots for the stars, just a matter of time before everyone else catches on. He's focused on being his best and not on what draft number he is. And he's had a great attitude with it as we've talked with him. Again, if you miss those, they are on Wednesdays. We're talking to Zach Wilson every week on the show, which is awesome. Okay, today's Rise and Shoutouts are presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward, who gets yours, Spence? Mine goes to Gloria Navarez and all of the people in the West Coast Conference for getting to this point and actually getting the tournament underway. I can't believe in two and a half hours I'm going to call a game. And I mean, two weeks ago I wasn't sure that we were going to be here. Mine goes out to the referees of the Sixers and Jazz game uh, in the NBA. Lenscrafter reached out. They wanted to sponsor the replays, but now they realize oh. that even, even glasses won't help in that one. It was bad. Let's hope our friends with the WCC officials are better today during the games. Okay, our thanks to yeah, today's seriously. guest, West Coast Conference Commissioner Gloria Navarro. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Spencer, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Kalani Purcell. See you at 3.30 Eastern for WCC Tournament Action. Go Cougs. And coming up next, the 1981 Reviewables. Ken Roberts on the show.